Welcome, everybody, to episode 34 of the Odyssey podcast. I am joined, as always, by my excellent co-host, Connor Campbell. Connor, how are you doing? I'm not too bad now, Adam. What's the crack? How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Excited to be excited to be chatting. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's... it's I Fuck, I always say this because you used to say this all the time. <laughs> we're back after a little break in every episode. I was like, shut up. Do not say that. I and think I'm there was... I think there was like a probably like a six month period where every episode we did was we're back. <laughs> we're back, yeah, and it's actually it, it draws kind of a a connotation to the rebuild. What, what's the the pandemic or the epidemic of the rebuild imperative uh-huh. thing? It's like oh, are we back or we so back? It's like stop saying that. Like you're actually just getting in your own way. So maybe we're doing the same thing with the podcast, but we're 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 like Lane Norton and his hundred. Oh, Jesus five comebacks <laughs> but he surprisingly and i do often think this they actually work for him like mm-hmm. he is actually getting stronger and he's like he's a lot going on and he's i don't want to say he's quite old like he's a master's lifter but he's he does be black yeah he had a great meet there recently actually he's, he's like one of these legacy powerlifters that we kind of was certainly he was competitive as you and i were starting off Mm-hmm. that he's still going and like there isn't a huge amount of people like that came second at uh second in the world at 93 so had the world squat record mm. uh at the time which was like i want to say it was like 300.5 which is hilarious it may, maybe up maybe it was up to 310 but it was no higher than that at 93 that was the world record like so crazy now considering the the scale of that class now the standard has has blown up absolutely and you had a front row seat to that you're just back from worlds quite literally yeah it was it was really cool uh we didn't have a whole pile of irish lifters uh in it and unfortunately the way it worked out we um so ali was in the the a group in her in her class but it the on this particular day the minus 84 uh, a group was not in the primetime uh, session, which was really unfortunate because um, the prime times over the week had just been insane. Like, oh my God, they really reestablished a certain amount of faith in the IPF and their ability to hold a competition, which to be fair, I don't know how much the IPF had to do with it. I think the organizers of the event who were who were you know, Maltese, uh, I'm not sure, I suppose we're, we're part of the Maltese Powerlifting Federation. Um, they, they really are the, the heroes there because they put on such a cool event in such a sick venue. Mm. Um, but yeah, just the way the place was laid out, it had about, I think it had like a, a 600 uh, person kind of rafter thing, right, r- just right off the platform with room for another couple of hundred people on each side. So I'd say at, like at peak, there's probably a thousand people there in real close proximity to the platform watching these primetime sessions and that, that they put on every evening. And it was just so cool because you'd, you'd essentially, my mind goes to the, the 74s because it was just mm. a, obviously a huge upset uh, in Carl Johansson, who was a junior, uh, who was actually in the same flight as Cal at Junior Worlds last year, um, w- winning, beating Taylor Atwood, be- beating Tim Monagatti. Um, but you had, you had a thousand 
powerlifters watching it. You know, it's not like other sports where, you know, the, the crowd will be filled with, you know, people who, who, for the most part, don't actually participate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or haven't in quite a long time. Whereas, like, no, I would I would go as far as to say, like, 95% of the people sat there watching, probably more, are active powerlifters. So it was just, it was really cool because everyone knew every nuance, you know? To the point where, like, I'm pretty sure the crowd were influencing results. The crowd were like ratting, ratting on lifters. So like wow. there'd be like a yeah, there'd be like a fifty-fifty call, and the crowd would go like, "Oh, we're like that's fucking," like you know, it was just big crowd reactions. And next thing, the lifter would get Oof. two reds, you know. And same thing with the jury. Like when the jury were deliberating or whatever, the crowd would be like building it up. It was just it really added an element to to powerlifting that. I had never seen and I had heard a lot of people talk about not being possible, you know. Mm. Um, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. And of course, there were there were a few beverages being had by ourselves anyway, but you know, I'm sure by most people while sat in the crowd in, in these primetime sessions watching. You actually had to come like an hour early just to get like cool, decent yeah. seats. Yeah, man, it was it was very, very cool. And I feel like um, Sheffield should be should be kind of thanked for for this. Uh, and I feel like maybe Sheffield has has altered the IPF's view of what is actually possible, mm. and how maybe they should, I suppose, diversify their their efforts in terms of you know it seemed in years in well in recent years past that everything was about IOC recognition. Whereas it feels like that that's kind of diversified a little bit now. For sure, IOC recognition is still very much at the forefront of their ambitions, but it feels like they're also kind of starting to to pay attention to to building the spectatorship surrounding the sport, which is really cool. That sounds really encouraging. There's a couple of things there that I, I I'd love to talk about. Definitely, it's nice that like we're getting the impression that IOC recognition isn't the only thing that's being focused on because that seemed to be at the detriment of the lifters. I don't think that's a controversial statement to make. Um, I love that, you know, potentially the success of Sheffield has made them realise, okay, this thing can be commercially viable and can be a real spectator sport for whatever reason. Um, maybe alcohol is <laughs> is the thing for the in-person events, but the hype and, and the drama, for lack of a better term, is a really good one for Sheffield and kind of blowing up these numbers or showing highlighting their significance maybe um it i keep coming back to that's a really interesting point about like the spectators the overwhelming majority of them being participants in that sport like this is maybe a bit of an exaggeration but like let's talk the let's say the olympics and the 100 meter sprint like most of the people watching it i know it's, it's the audience you can't even compare but like it's a fraction of those, those people know what it's like to be competing in a 100 meter sprint whereas like you and I both know no matter who it is on the platform whether it's the local powerlifting meet or a mock meet or somebody in the gym or at Sheffield or at Malta it's like oh I know what that roughly what that feels like to, to do the thing like I know there's the there's the pressure in the audience and all this kind of stuff as well but yeah that's that should make it 
much easier to adopt as a spectator sport because it's so accessible to to do the thing yourself or to buy in it the spectators are so much more so that's really interesting i hadn't i hadn't thought of that before but um it, it's it also pr- nice that this is maybe encouraging that okay it's the ipf for putting on a great show whatever but you said that it's it's the meet directors and the meet organizers put on a great show or should take an awful lot of the credit for that and i think that's encouraging because if the ipf let's say continues to exclude lifters or continues to operate in a way that just discriminates against certain lifters if the ipf was to go downhill we'd still be able to do great meets and we'd still be able to have classic powerlifting because it's it's not the ipf's game it's the lifters game mm-hmm. you know so that's that's actually really encouraging to hear too yeah and it feels like that as well that's actually a really good point it does really feel like that it feels like like powerlifting as a sport is kind of evolving almost beyond the ipf and in terms of its ability to like you say put on these great meets like i think sheffield could happen the way it the way it did without the ipf you know what i mean totally like look at that silent worker meet that was on i know very little about it but i saw some of the highlights and -hmm. it looked class Mm -hmm. or um the situation i don't don't know if you saw and i'm really ill-informed that happened in the uk i think it was meant to be like english english championship or something like that which was supposed to be a national level event and then because they weren't able to meet demand they the i assume i assume it was british powerlifting but maybe the english powerlifting uh executive committee decided to for some reason downgrade it from a national Mm. level event and there was uproar about it there was uproar and like um you know um things signed what's the name i forget what the the name of a thing you sign to try and affect change is like, called for a split second i was judging you for forgetting it and then i forgot the word it's like <laughs> oh god damn it no and what comes to mind when we're talking about this is the petition the petition petition yes that's for marina market is what came to my mind <laughs> so yes yeah, there's a petition signed to to change or to renew its its status as a national level qualifier is that what you're you're thinking yeah, and essentially, from 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 what I understand of the situation, it looks like what happened is just the the lifters, the coaches, the the officials on the ground just kind of got together and were like, right, we'll we'll make it, we'll make it this anyway. You know, we'll rename it to the I think Manchester Open or something now, yeah. or or Manchester Championships, one one of these words, and um and and the, the, you know put a lot of effort into the event and 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 make it what it should have been, and and they did. You know, regardless of the the involvement of the these kind of um, these governing bodies, which is which is really cool. It's really promising for for a future that sees the sport kind of increasingly um, diversified. I suppose I was going to say segregated, but that felt like the wrong word. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got unavoidable fracture of of powerlifting in terms of USAPL and and IPFs split. Um, which I was really, really worried about at the time, but those worries have faded. I think I think we're all going to be okay. I think we're all yeah. going to be fine. Something interesting that popped into my head that that I um, talked to talked to people a lot in Malta about was some of the downsides, or sorry, the downside, the only downside I could think of of Sheffield, and it was, I suppose, an example of it was Leah Bavwal's performance so 
she was having an incredible performance, like one of the best performances I had seen from her in in quite some time. Uh, she had had like a string of kind of, I think she missed weight last year. She'd had maybe a, a less than fantastic mm. performance previously. She was on. She was so, totally on at, at Worlds, just gone. And she had the chance on her last pull to, you know, pull a world record, Pull or push the world record total out even further, and she didn't take it. She came out, she shook the ref's hands, and she walked off. Same thing happened with Evie Cargan. Uh, Evie Cargan had won pretty handily after her second deadlift, put in her third deadlift, everything which, which put her, I think, to come out last. And she just came out and she shook the ref's hands and she walked back in. So, the reason being, it obviously makes no sense with the format of Sheffield to ever break records be uh, more than you have to at these at these non-Sheffield events because of the format yes. of Sheffield. And I know we had talked about this in our episode with Jane Jones where we discussed mm. like how the format needs to go. And this was the kind of crux of my point was that it will start to affect these other, other competitions. We, we have to figure out a different format for Sheffield because it just sucked. To see, you know, like I say, like a thousand person crowd all there ready for this huge sporting moment for the the athlete to be forced to come out and shake hands and walk off. It's not like they, you know, wanted to do that. I'm sure any athlete at that level would want to come out in that event, in, in the event that they've won on their second and have a chance to like make history on a third. You know, they'd want that, you know, and they just had to shake hands and, and walk away. Damn, that's a bummer. Um, yeah, that's. So yeah, no, that 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 that's that's the one downside of, of of the way it's currently formatted. So I'd really like to see. I don't think they will change it this year, just because I I, I guess everyone is already acting under the assumption that it will be the same. So maybe they know something that we don't. But I really hope they change it to, you know. Give a cash prize for a broken record, hundred percent. Yeah. Pay whatever it was, five grand for 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 a record broken. That's class. But I think the overall, like the grand prizes, should be given out based on dots. Yeah. Or well, GL points. Oh yeah, yeah, that thing. I always forget <laughs> forget about that. Yeah, that's super interesting, and it's it it's funny, and I I I shared your sentiment with the USAPL, USPA thing or no usapl ipf split i should say and that like okay we're done now like this is the jig is up the game's over we've had our fun the likes of sheffield or the likes of even on a on a local level closer to home the christmas clash is like there's room for innovation or the thing new shit is always going to come up when there's people who are passionate about it and you there's always changes that can be made you know it's it's I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say is, but I'm optimistic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I'm, sure. Do you have more information about Christmas Clash? I I don't know. I always forget what I'm supposed to. Yeah, it was know fully. It was I'm fully not announced. Supposed to know. Okay, good. Good. It was Great. fully <laughs> announced. So it's actually no longer going to be the um, kind of money meet, I guess that 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 I had been. What's the word? Canvassing, campaigning for. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Just I suppose. I think the hope is that next year, 
um, will be able to put something like that on with with a little more time to do the organiz- or, organ organizational work required. Um, it was maybe just a little bit too late this time, and I think the EC had originally said like this this would just be a qualifier for internationals in 2024, given that nationals 24 will be later in the year. Mm. Um, so this will be a national level event that that'll allow for um, you know qualification to to next year's um internationals but i think the the invite criteria is simply 400 dots for for male and 380 dots for females uh i believe okay yeah yeah i I had it in my mind it was like top 28 male female something like that was that the original iteration that you had kind of thought of now i could be wrong i'm potentially the the least informed person in irish powerlifting like I literally I everyone was talking about worlds and I signed on to watch it and I caught the medal ceremony for the 84 kilo plus category and that's all that I saw now I caught a bit of drama at that as well there was a bit of there was a bit of fuckery going on there but I had to go back and I said I would watch a bunch of the fights I just watched the 74s and it was great but yeah don't quote me on top 28 male female dots or anything like that it is that yes it's the top 28 men top 28 yeah, women um with the minimum qualifying dots of 400 and 380 respectively um so yeah no that that that'll be good um i expect to see some some big lifters at that and some some national level battles as well um so that'll be a fun one but um yeah no some some irish highlights from uh from worlds obviously we only had four athletes um so you know it was it was great to, to to be there for each one of them um we had don don stacy first up who's always just class such a pleasure to to be around on comp day um had a pr day so that was fantastic she um she had a on four i think her butt came up on her third bench um but other than that it was a class fight super nice. unfortunate i ran over to the jury um, when when it was two to one, and they they literally just laughed me off. They, I, <laughs> I tried to like ignore them, telling me to go away and just start a conversation anyway. And I was just like, uh, you know, what happened? They didn't give me an answer, and I was like, did her butt come up? And they were like, you know, it did. And I was just, I I didn't have time to think up a a smart response, so I was just like, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they they all laughed at me, so that was fun. But um, yeah, so Dawn's day was great. Uh, we had Emma next up, uh, who had a fantastic day, two hundred seven point five kilo deadlift to cap off the day. Man, you got to say that deadlift is budging. Yes, it is. It, it's budging <laughs> in the right direction. I can take a hundred percent credit for that. Um, <laughs> No, great performance. Like when I awesome. say that I actually want everyone on the Irish team to do well, including Emma, I absolutely mean that. So no, fair play. Yep. No, it was fantastic. And Kean showed up for his what feels like his fiftieth international now at this point. Dude seems to just be <laughs> at every single international comp. I uh, don't think he had exactly the day that he wanted, but uh he looked great the whole time. So As always, yeah. There's that, yeah, hundred percent. And then Ali uh, putting the fight to Amanda Lawrence that was such a cool situation to be involved in so worth also mentioning she just smashed it had a 
fucking excellent day. Um, PRs, PRs all around. But um, the bench press, we had a legit medal or legit shot at a gold medal. Um, and looking at openers, once once things got going, Ali was uh, due to due to go out second last with a one twenty opener. Um, meanwhile, Amanda Lawrence had a 122.5 kilo opener. So Ali had the higher lot number and she also had lower body weight. So I went to Ali and I just said, look, I think the play here is that we bump your opener to 122.5. Last second, hope they don't see it, hope they don't bump their opener, uh, which would give us running order. So Amanda would go out first, you'd go out after her, and then literally all we have to do because we have body weight is just match her jumps the whole way up. Um, so we go out. They both take one twenty two point five. Both move great. Uh, Amanda puts in one twenty seven point five. So we match her. We put in one twenty seven point five. Amanda's was really really hard. Even the the, the commentary team, which consisted of uh, Amelia Potter and Ryan Lapidat on the day, said as much. Um, and then Ali's moved class. It was fantastic uh and again the commentators agreed so amanda put in 130 we also put in 130 and amanda goes out and moves 130 better than she moved her second i was like for fuck's sake because obviously if i I never will someone to miss but obviously if amanda had missed ali would just have by default won gold you know yeah um so she moves it really well and then ali goes out and in, in in her own words shit the bed and unfortunately just just whatever happened just did not have it um which based on the 127.5 was so 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 surprising um, because i've seen ali move a second attempt slower take it bigger take a five kilo jump to a third attempt and 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 hit it um but look this you know it was it was still such a such a cool experience to 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 be there putting it to amanda lawrence like one of the most untouchable powerlifters in the world you know even Absolutely. if it's only on one of the three lifts <laughs> the best the best lift true true actually <laughs> true and ali's i was gonna say a week out not even um i'd love to see her come come into bench nationals this this weekend and and smash that 130 oh she's fully i was t- chatting to her earlier she's fully planning on avenging that 130 yeah. nice very nice yep. Yeah, so no, it was it was just it was cool. It was it was a really cool meet. I am now personally myself uh, gonna take a little step back now from the international stuff just because I've done a whole pile of it in the last year or so. So I'm not planning on attending anymore for the rest of this year, and uh, I'll kind of figure things out then next year. I'll, I'll I'll definitely be going at it with kind of a a bit of a lower frequency in mind. I won't be planning on doing every single one again because it's really hard (laughs) it's a big ask you know and it's it's not even like the time away but like it's it's you're trying to work you're trying to balance a business and you're trying to mentally like look after all these different people who you don't know it's it's an awful lot of it's a physical investment and it's a mental and emotional investment at the same time like you to be knackered after it and never mind then the the competition calendar at home being fairly stacked and and only going to get even more frequent as time goes on like it's it's an awful lot to balance and i commend you for it and i i know for an absolute fact that whoever whatever international athletes have gone out there and you've handled them 
it's only exemplary praise, so it's it's fucking hard going now. So fair play to you on that one. Thanks, man. Yeah, it can be tough. Um, training is another one. Just mm. trying to oh, shit. Yeah, continue <laughs> training, which for some reason is is in is right up there in terms of my priorities. Um, I, I, I know I've mentioned a few times my intent to compete in September. Well, I have the ticket now, so I will be competing uh, in September in the 105 kilo class, probably. Um, but no, my original plan was to go to Junior Worlds two weeks out from competition for a week. Um, obviously, get my my four days of training done while while being there, and then come home, be home for two days, and then fly out to Reykjavik for westerns literally a number of days out from competition um so so now i'm not doing that which i'm obviously you know i'll I'll probably be sad to have missed the competitions definitely to have handled to be sad to have mishandling uh, a few of my own athletes but it would be class to actually be able to like give this competition my all because as you and probably a lot of the listeners know this one this one means an awful lot this one is like my my I uh, forget the the turn of phrase, but this is where I'm like treating myself like an athlete, not just like a coach who, who's doing a powerlifting meet to share the experience of his athletes. You know, this is uh, this is this is my one where you know I'm hoping to compete once or twice a year, every year now going forward, mm-hmm. up to the point that I get to don the the ARS singlet. That's that's ultimately the the athletic goal. So yeah beautiful and i can see that happening like it's for some reason like it's and i've i've tried to carry this forward into my own training and for some reason it just doesn't work but when you decide right it's time to get strong it seems like that works for you right it's like when the focus is on training the focus is on and shit gets done it's i think it's the belief that's there and i've tried (laughs) i've tried to bring it into my own training like right believe that this is the way that it's going to go and make it happen i suppose i can only be blessed in being extremely handsome and smart maybe physically not in strength not quite there but it's (laughs) yeah (laughs) it seems that like the, the belief has been there and the focus has been there and you're reaping the rewards for it and it's fucking class to see so hopefully you're given the space mentally if nothing else in September to be like right this is a lifter like don't don't be fucking asking questions xyz whatever lift that's your time here now do you know and that's tough for people to it's tough for people who don't coach to understand that like it's it's only a small question but it's it's pulling you out of that headspace and it's it's you taking the lifter hat off and putting on the coach's hat it's that shift in focus that is mentally taxing to a to a significant degree to a non-zero degree certainly so it's yeah it's it's one i find myself thinking about quite often do you know yeah for sure no i, I plan on being a total diva and uh <laughs> and just letting it be be my my day to the, maybe the detriment of some other some other people but you know I, i've i've told everyone well and well in advance that that this will be my my competition i'm gonna try and see if I can influence the flights a little bit <laughs> just so that there's not as much crossover. Maybe put me on, in, you know, in the Saturday AM with whatever, whatever the the groups that we have no lifters in. You but, said uh, quite part loud, I'm afraid, but... Uh... 
yeah no that'd be class like it's it's i think anyone who's done a competition knows that saturday a.m is the fucking way to go maybe saturday p.m but like it is it terrible that i'm thinking in terms of a night out afterwards like i want to have time to eat and kind of mentally just relax but but also i suppose if you're looking to make weight weighing in first thing in the morning you're not waiting around like mm. do you know this kind of way i just find it you have a little I bit would. more flexibility in the morning I would pick PM for sure, but just for this situation, uh, AM just makes more sense because I'll get in, I'll get my my meat out of the way, and then I'll hop in, like you say, throw the coaching hat on. Then for the for the rest of the for the rest of the day and and, and for the next day, Kate's competing as well. Um, so yeah, that'll be that'll be a lot That's of gonna fun. That's going to be mighty. That'll be a lot of fun. We definitely can't be in the same session. Jesus Christ, <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh I, because that just wouldn't work for me you know I, I will not be able to focus on myself if uh if we're in the same session so um fingers crossed that this, the 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 flights fall in a in a favorable way yeah but <laughs> it's um, out of it's out of our hands totally yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah um we were asked we, we put up a little q and a um actually no before we jump into that so I've talked about my my uh, internationals and my my current kind of plan and relationship with internationals going forward. What's what's your story? What's what's the crack? My story with internationals is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, my my lifting invite must have got lost in the post somewhere. <laughs> so my my coach's invite came through for Western Euros in in Iceland. It's not in Reykjavik. It's in another town that I can't pronounce, but it's um, yeah, it's in Iceland. From the eighth to the tenth of September, or the tenth to the the twelfth, the eighth of the tenth. Adam is shaking his head, nodding his head, I should say. So yeah, there seems to be a very nice coaching and lifting crew going. I have the list, I think, in front of me. I'm not sure if it's confirmed, so excuse me. I'm just going to say it anyway. Do, 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 do. It's I believe it's Coach Dav, Akeen Madden, and myself on the coaching roster. We have Beck Phillips, Ian Grant. I have Jay Kaga and Jack Thornton. And Scott Dean down on the lifting roster for the lads and Joanne Clark, Amelia Crook, Catherine Kilmartin, Lota Leinberger, Megan Fitzpatrick and Claire Patterson for the ladies. So that'll be a fairly stacked Friday and Saturday. There's no lifters on the Sunday because that's just equipped. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I've, I've, I think I said from an early point in the year, when I, as soon as I found out that uh, Westerns was in Iceland, that's like, right, if I'm doing any of them, I want to do that one. I think it was Gar Ben that told me that at the afters for nationals. So I was like, right, that's absolutely the one I want to do. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I get to do it. And I'm very grateful to be able to handle great lifters and, and people I know very well. So that's I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And with two other top class coaches, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so that'll be it in terms of internationals. It, it'll be my second one having done Western Euros last year. Um, I'll, I'll aim to be better behaved, <laughs> I should say. Um, here's the thing, right? In my in my expansive experience as an international coach, and I think you'll attest to this. I don't think this is a secret. How Ireland chooses our international coaches, and I'd be very curious as to how other countries choose their international coaches. It's very difficult to have an objective metric for what is a good coach or an appropriate coach i think it's next to impossible so being able to get on with people especially people 
you don't coach or you don't work with is pretty high up there you know like you're gonna have to take on athletes that you don't know that you don't work with that you may even be at odds with at times for whatever whatever reason that ranks fairly highly in your ability to go out internationally and coach people you don't know coach with people you don't know so i figured right if i'm to be do this and if i'm to be on the irish team coaching the the <laughs> give everyone the top quality service which we 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 tend to do i think is pretty good uh-huh. do you know uh-huh. i'm gonna try and be good crack as well <laughs> and i i did that yeah sure yeah true <laughs> <laughs> anyway i shouldn't talk about that um i'm gonna be better behaved this time around everyone's gonna have a great time and that'll be it it'll be fantastic I'm excited for you. I'm I'm really excited for you. And part part of the reason I'm particularly excited for you is because I'm not going to be there. So I I feel like it's you know you getting to go off and and <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but no, genuinely, I I'm I'm very excited for you. Um, and and it will be different. It will be weird for you, obviously, being being kind of solo. I I don't think no. There's no other Odyssey member there. That's um, true. That is true. So you you'll be you'll be kind of off on your own seeing the world <laughs> no no you you are right it's very that's very egotistical for you to say and it's you are right <laughs> though at the same time it's that i don't have any odyssey lifters and there's no odyssey coach either that's new that's mm-hmm. very new um so that'll be cool that'll be interesting um but look i i, I would like to say i know all those lads pretty well and yep. they're all great I, I yep. don't know any of the, the female lifters well at all, but I know they're top class lifters and they seem very, very sound. So no, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I think we're gonna try and organize a team training session in the next couple of weeks. The team training sessions is a funny thing. I remember it was like twenty sixteen, was that when Worlds was in Texas, in Killeen, Texas? There was yes. a t- national team training session then. And at that point in time, I think on the website it would have been like here's the national team whereas these days with the size of the federation the the roster of athletes we have the national team is a comp to comp thing do you think that's kind of fair to say i I, I think it's it's unreasonable to have like a standalone like let's say 2023 national team because people put up crazy performances on a weekend to weekend basis and things change you know and people are entitled to to choose which comps they want to go for and, and this and that so it's that's something i've been thinking about quite a lot but i'd love i'd love to see a consistent let's say open national team a consistent junior sub junior masters national team with their kind of coaching rosters embedded into that so you can build rapport so you can organize team training sessions more easily or more often it feels like that's the way it's going anyway, but I'd be very curious to hear if anyone has any any thoughts on that. It's it's very tricky, you know, because like it's it's easy for let's say me to hop into abs to for a, a training session, but for the likes of you, if you're on the national team, like that's that's costing you a decent amount of money on fuel if nothing else, uh-huh. you know. And it's people are busy. It's uh yeah. It's so to, to speak to that a little bit, there there was a national team at one point whereby if you hit a standard you're on the national team, regardless of whether you got picked for internationals. Um, you were on the national team. But at a certain point last year, I guess, when when the committee were discussing it, 
that seemed to kind of start to lose its utility, lose its relevance a little bit, just because, you know, there there wasn't much in place from kind of a developmental point of view. There wasn't really much justification for a national team that consisted of non-internationally competing individuals, you know. Now, for sure, like long term, I could see there being scope for it, but just just the way things are right now, uh, there wasn't. So, so functionally, there is no, there's no like standalone national team. You know what I mean? It just is now that kind of like how um, USAPL used to do it. I'm not actually sure about how Powerlifting America works, but I assume it's the same. Where simply the best lifters, the people who put up the best totals on the day where, that they need to get invited to the competitions. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's 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 fair in a in a certain way, mm-hmm. you know. It's mm-hmm. just like you just need to show up on the day, and that's that's it. And I think er, the, the, the kind of infrastructure of the sport, the, the the things have changed quite a lot since then. In that everyone has a coach now, you know, everyone has their own coach. Uh, a lot of people have online coaches. Um, a lot of like people don't necessarily need a national team training session, you know, like the national team training sessions that we do right now ahead of competitions are more so a, so that the coaches and the athletes can inter like meet and interact and build some rapport other than on literally competition day. Mm. Um, and then, and then B so that you can actually see how they move, how they lift, um, see how they fail, which is often a thing that happens at these national team <laughs> training sessions. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. No, if, um, I, th- I think that's probably going to be the way it, it goes for the for the foreseeable. But yeah, that's... Uh, that's. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I am very optimistic with how the national team roster, let's just call it, is progressing. And we know a ton of people coming up through the ranks at every kind of age bracket, which is nice to see that there's going to be plenty of bodies in future. The, o- the only kind of aspect or the only thing that, that concerns me is is sending, is, is the coaches, you know, like there's plenty of coaches, but like like we discussed, it's expensive financially, physically and emotionally. Like there's, so it's, yeah, that's just something I, I think about, you know, but um, I, I'd like sort of the way sort of the way I was thinking about it in terms of spotters and loaders, right? Is, is to have a roster of people or have a bank of people to be able to, to get in who are experienced so that we're not dependent on a handful of superstars, which we kind of seem to be, you know? Um, it's just to make a far more robust kind of coaching system in future. Um, and, and I suppose that's why I was brought to Western Euros last year is that I, I was a new person coming into this that, okay, in future, if somebody with a bit more experience is unavailable, okay, Connor has a bit of experience. He can be grand to go in, do you know? So I'd like to see some more of that kind of coming along. And I, I believe that is the case because we have a few new coaches going to Junior Worlds, I believe. Yep. Branching yep. out a little bit. Again, not as fragile and a much more robust and I think yep. fair system, you know? For sure. And the, the, there's a ton of interest as well, which is the main thing, you know, with interest. Interest will kind of uh, drive that 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 totally. changed you know totally. um so yeah no for sure cool so that'll be that'll be your next international i'm sure there'll be some more internationals in the pipeline for you then as well in 2023 maybe westerns again 
uh, depending on how cool the place that it's being held in is. <laughs> depending on how, how well I behave myself, but yeah. yes. <laughs> um, so we did put up a little bit of a question box right before literally an hour before we decided we were going to sit down and record this. And we got a couple of things. And the mm. two things we'll, we'll kind of hone in on here um, before we, we come to a close is how our own training is going and how we go about choosing accessories. So I suppose we'll start with, with our own training. How, how are you getting on? I actually have a lot to say about this because I got a question about Evolve AI and how I was getting on with that. And I really feel like I, I felt like I had said this on the podcast that I, I stopped using Evolve AI quite some time ago. And the reason for that was, so I started it to try something new, right? And, and to kind of broaden my coaching horizons. And I, I truly meant that. And I, I ended up doing it for like a two week period. So I, I barely dipped the toe. And still there was a couple of things that I took from it. But why I stopped was that it seemed like no matter what, format i put in it was giving me a very typical block periodization structure where i would have an eight week hypertrophy block followed by a five week strength block and then a five week peaking block like i I don't know exactly the numbers but just bear with me on that one and that's just a system that i fundamentally disagree with and that's a bit of an issue when it comes to training like if i don't have faith in it or if i fundamentally disagree with it Jeez, I, I'd, I'd wager that no training system is effective enough to combat that, you know, and it's, I was changing around the date of my meets to try and get into a strength block straight away. And it just, for whatever reason, just did not seem to be working. So I just got a bit frustrated with that. And I, I, I just went back to my old coach who I, you know, I have issues with sometimes, but he's Grant. Um, Welcome that, back with open arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be Adam. Um, so yeah, no, I, I've been back training with Odyssey for, Jesus, 10, that's 10 weeks. Like that was a good long time ago. Mm-hmm. And my own training after the June Open, was that in Belfast? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's say five, six weeks ago, um, I experienced a pain experience i'm still not calling it an injury when i was squatting i I had quite a significant pain experience in my hip and i've kind of been dealing with that ever since and it it is improving for sure and i've been taking the time to to chronicle that on instagram with a series of reels and how we go about dealing with pain and training and i've enjoyed this experience for that alone if nothing else Um, and i've just been focusing on bench press and deadlift since um I finished my cut, I think, since we've done a, a podcast as well. I can't quite remember. And I embarked on a maintenance phase with body weight um, for a period of four weeks. So for the month of June, effectively, I was maintaining my body weight at about 83. And there's a couple of different reasons for that. The main thing was just to avoid this huge rebound effect and blowing back up again because I'd been a in a mindset for about 18 weeks of reduce 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 and if i flipped it straight away like that that was quite a fragile state and so i just wanted to take some time let things simmer down let things relax kind of get my ducks in a row and it's been incredibly beneficial like i've maintained at 83 much more easily and um, there was there was like a small rebound in rate gain so it was around 81 kilos when i finished maybe a little kind of floating between 81 81.5 gained back a little bit so i've been maintaining between 82.5 and 83 
just with water and glycogen retention that's totally to be expected um keep kept like nutrition structure the same and i'm starting a long and slow bulk back up to an undefined endpoint um even though i said an endpoint was something that i lacked on the cut and i i really suffered for that suffered a very strong word um i could have done with a solid endpoint so not having one for the bulk is tough i think it is different because the amount of time you spend in the bulk i feel is the main factor for its efficacy because building muscle is a very long and slow process and but yeah we'll see long slow bulk training away just fine was hoping to compete in october i'll see how squats progress because i'm i'm only back up to squatting about 90 kilos for a couple of sets at a tolerable pain level not pain free but at a tolerable pain level which i think is a huge win but we'll see if it's worth competing in october but there's a very good separate conversation to be had there about why you should compete and if i'm only competing to hit prs is that the right way to go about it i don't know but that that's an enormous conversation that we should have at another time so that's maybe maybe another big conversation but i'm gonna ask you anyway um so all sounds great um very very excited for for the future of your training especially as you embark on as you say this bulk Mm. um from from this you know when were you last the body weight that you are right now four years ago how much more muscle do you think you're carrying now and strength than you were then strength yeah it's significantly more strength i could probably look it up because um, there was around the, the September Open in Belfast. Oh yeah, okay. I, I weighed in. That was my first competition. It was in '93, I think, and I weighed in like '84. <laughs> and looking back at pictures, I'd I'd love to try and put a number on it, the amount of muscle. But this is another funny thing about putting on muscle that it is surprisingly difficult to measure, uh, as, as silly as that might sound, and and the visual is not easy whatsoever do you know so especially for yourself right oh man absolutely yeah. like it's even in terms of body fat like i felt like i'd lost nothing even though i'd lost 10 percent of my body weight uh-huh. and like I, I remember going to i can't remember what competition it was junior nationals and kate said to me he's like god you can really see it in your face and i i didn't think i looked any different and i still don't think i look any different now so it's very tough. Maybe that's a, a separate significant issue, but I, I didn't <laughs> see it. So having having known you, obviously, this entire period of time that, that, that we're referencing here, you have significantly more muscle now than you did then. Okay. Significantly more muscle. You actually look like you lift now, uh, which is okay. great. <laughs> um, but And also, of course, you're you're also significantly stronger, even at these kind of we'll say 60 kilos extra on the total yeah you know and that's kind of that's in a in a relatively unprepared state as well Mm. um but the actual question i wanted to ask you i I forget now how i got onto that tangent the actual question i wanted to ask you was actually regarding the the pain experience that you're that you're dealing with yes so you mentioned that you're not calling it an injury yes and i would like to ask a few questions a totally yeah 
why b when would you call it an injury an injury like like considering your current circumstances what would have to happen for you to actually say okay this is an injury or is it more so like uh just that you're you're flat out refusing to to refer to it as an injury um yeah what i'm writing these down because i will lose track okay so a why am i not calling it an injury and b when do you call it an injury these are very good questions um and I, I'd worry I'm going to do this a disservice have, with it being just dropped on me. So why am I not calling it an injury? So this is the this is the kind of crux of my experience that I've been trying to just put into a nice bite-sized package. Everyone, when they encounter some sort of pain experience, want a diagnosis. They want to know what's going on, where in reality they just need to fucking get on with things sounds like apathy it's not right every day in the gym people ask you how's the hip what do you think it is and i'm like it doesn't matter because the intervention is the same i'm training as normally as possible and i'm letting pain be the guide or i'm letting pain inform my rpe rating right if i was to label this an injury i feel like that is taking a step back and putting myself in a different box where I think there is no need. And I think the vast majority of people will be like that as well. And I only say the vast majority of people, like if you literally tear something off the bone, I'm not going to say, oh, well, you know, pain is in the brain and you just got to train as normally as possible. Sorry, bro, you need surgery and you need to get that looked at. Like the overwhelming majority of people need to just crack on to whatever degree they can and just get on with things. You know, now maybe this is me coming from knowing that it's load management, it's fatigue management, managing the psychosocial factors and just cracking on. It, it doesn't mean that somebody who has zero education on the pain experience, it doesn't mean that that's what I would say to them. But that's why I'm not labeling this as an injury, because so what? Mm-hmm. The intervention is the same and I'm only putting a barrier to progress by labeling this as an injury and plus i don't know what it is i don't know what's going on and and i'm even arguing i don't like saying what it is because i feel that gives this false credence you know yeah totally totally so i guess that kind of answers the the second part of the question too maybe it does yeah when when is it an injury when when that plan doesn't apply when that plan is not applicable when you like literally cannot train maybe no because you can always do something and and i hate to put surgical interventions up on a pedestal because they're profoundly less less effective than people think Um, and and uh, anecdotally and i feel like this is not a controversial thing to say either the vast majority of people who get surgeries from a musculoskeletal point of view shouldn't get them or have no need to get them you know and there, there is plenty of evidence out there that i don't have at hand to show that musculoskeletal surgeries are effectively placebo in my experience of working with gen- general population from uh, like 2017 until until uh summer last year probably worked with or, or or came across you know a 
thousand people or whatever in in mm. in that period of time of the very large amount of them that had um had some level of surgical intervention the overwhelming majority of them regretted it and in my completely unqualified opinion didn't need it you mm. know and 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 a good number of people there was a good chunk of of individuals who were um maybe looking towards surgery uh or awaiting surgery and then decided to come to the gym and and try out some some strength training uh as an intervention in the meantime and then decided not to go ahead with surgery uh and and, and again not an insignificant number of people we're talking like again in my relatively small population there we're talking like 30 40 people probably in 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 those five years so yeah no i i totally agree with you it breaks my heart like it it, that's like people having the most invasive intervention out there and regretting it or or not getting the outcome that they wanted for whatever reason breaks my heart when you're talking about physically and oftentimes financially vulnerable older people i'm not saying that they're getting taken advantage of or whatever like i i couldn't put a motive on onto somebody on a, on a healthcare professional who's far more qualified than i am i think that's that's always worth reiterating again and again it it i, I really feel like we're too quick to say oh well that's surgery they're getting this replaced that replaced whatever um yeah man it's 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 fucking rough and and when somebody is let's say sold a false idea of of what a surgical intervention will do they come out of it and they're still in pain or their their movement or physical capacities are still limited what kind of mental headspace does that throw somebody into and what kind of central sensitization does that throw somebody into like that's that is a more that's when you're talking about psychosocial factors becoming deeply rooted in your physiology that's fucking hard to get rid of and i've dealt with a lot of older people who may be dealing with some peripheral sensitization you might refer to that as intense consistent non-specific pain experiences in distal portions of the body let's say your hands your feet the lower body in particular seems to be very 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 common um, and if that is kind of left unaddressed it can move to sort of central sensitization where people are experiencing chronic pain and it's like you've accepted that into your being and that's a very very horrible place to be and i've worked with people who i would suspect have been dealing with this kind of thing i've been accused of being an arsehole to older people because i don't give them a break in the gym and i don't give them that excuse to, oh well i'm old and people bones hurt whatever it's like shut up and do your sets to fuck like that's the way forward and they actually respond to that as well so look for anyway, sure the best group for for that level of intervention yeah love them so much um so yeah when when do you call something an injury i really never would to be honest in the absence of a traumatic event maybe yep. that's it like you know if if you tore like literally tore something or if you broke a bone or if you were in an accident that's an injury right yep anything else maybe just a pain experience yep and it can it can directly i ask you obviously i ask you for for for, for everyone else's sake i ask you this already knowing what your answer was going to be of course mm-hmm. but like it can directly influence the the prognosis you know just simply like let's say if, if if an athlete came to me with a pain experience 
um, and, and I was like, and I refer to it then as an injury, like that can 100% affect how, how this thing plays out. You know, it can affect yes. their loading decisions in the short term, which can then affect the, their long-term outcomes. You know what I mean? If, if, if I can, on the other hand, try and downplay it, rightly so probably and, and and refer to it as a pain experience and employ our our general go-to you know practices for managing that pain experience yeah manage, manage the load um try and try and kind of work the affected tissues directly in some in some way usually with a with a really slow tempo um both before and after uh, the the affected exercises uh, if we can do that and have them working relatively close to normal loads all of a sudden this thing that could have been a three-month injury is all of a sudden just a two-week pain experience that's just a blip you know even a session to session yep. thing you know like i'm sure you've you've met many lifters who there's a fork in the road and like okay and that's why you and i are often very quick to respond um when somebody has a message about a pain experience we're like oh no get on this straight yep. away Yep. Because it, it can unnecessarily disrupt things. And there's an interesting conversation to be have to be had, and I'd love to have it with somebody who who's maybe qualified from a psychological point of view about validation or validating an athlete's pain experience without giving it too much credence, you know, because the issue that I have with, with the interventions that I take with this kind of stuff is that it can be apathy. It can look like I straight up don't believe you or don't care, whereas I do care very much, but I'm trying not to emphasize this or I'm trying not to, to make it seem bigger than it is, do you know? But, but a lot of the times people need compassion and validation. What I generally will do without necessarily validating anything is meet them on that experience because we can that's the beauty of being a coach or coaching a thing that you actively participate in you know i've pretty much felt all of these like very general <laughs> pain experiences in yeah. in the last over the last 10 years you know i've i've i know what it feels like to come out come out from a low bar squat session with intense elbow pain like almost elbow pain that 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 would cause you tears uh, and, and think that my elbow's fucked or my shoulder's fucked. Like, I know what it's like to deal with chronic knee pain. Uh, I know what it's like to deal with all of these little joint pains, etc. Um, or just, like, f the feeling of the bar being particularly uncomfortable. So what I'll generally do is just meet them on that and empathize with how annoying it is or, or how distressing it may have been in that instance, but then completely flip it and and try and build optimism uh that's that's kind of the, the the first initial focus is try and make them optimistic about the prognosis and about the outcomes you know mm. try and get them away from thinking about naturally what everyone thinks about which is the worst possible outcomes you know um and and, and try and get them instead uh i guess not just listening but he but hearing what i'm saying regarding regarding the pain experience you know uh yeah. taking on board and, and, and allowing some of that optimism to, to, to bleed into their training. And usually what I'll do is their, their next training session, um, you know, using the affected area, I'll have them do an awful, a disgusting isolation exercise uh, on that joint or, or in the affected tissue right before they do their, their main work, we'll say, or, yeah. or, or load up a back squat. I'll have them do like, 
five second eccentric three second hover five second concentric fucking split squats or something which just <laughs> pump the shit out of their knee pump pump up the quad big time make the glutes pop and then they go ahead and squat and they don't feel anything that's like that is the most common um way this this whole thing unfolds totally. you know um just because they they see that they can with this they feel good they feel the bl- bl- blood is flowing that you know they feel all of those things and then all of a sudden they forgot and they can just do do a back squat yeah you know it's kind of like i was gonna make the joke because you know and your man sits into the office like oh it's it's sore when i poke this or when i poke this and it's like it's your fucking finger man or it's like you're 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 giving somebody something else to focus on just like and it, it was often the case with my hip was like if i was timing my sets and i was pausing them and i was doing rough tempos like i'm got like my lungs were fucked mm-hmm. and then three sets in i was like oh i forgot my hip is supposed to be sore do you know yeah. this kind of way yeah I think in your instance as well, it's also worth mentioning the the you know la- the big loss of body weight and how that could how that could potentially have affected it, you totally. know is likely to be a a factor there, um and and how with a bit of time once once everything kind of you know once once you what's what's the word I'm looking for here achieve homeostasis again I suppose you know once you once everything normalizes a little bit I'm sure it'll just be a case of back back to business as as totally, usual totally yeah it, it's there was a lot of things like it was it was 18 weeks in a deficit 10 percent down in body weight i had been ramping up the volume in accessory work especially on the leg press doing leg press for three to four sets twice a week and pushing it fairly hard i was pushing squats fairly hard it's towards the end of a block it was just after the back of a meet kind of started a new job there was this and that and this and that and yeah it just happens and yep. I, I've been very lucky to not experience anything like that for a very long amount of time. So, you know, it's it's due in a way. So it's totally. what are you going to do? Not train? like fucking, <laughs> <this is> a... <laughs> Totally. Totally. Uh, so that's your training. Um, my my training's gone well. Um, I suppose we were asked specifically how our training is going with our respective uh, coaches. Yes. Um, under Evolve, it was going fine. Under me, it's now going terrible um <laughs> for, for myself uh training's gone gone great it's going great the last um the last six months seven months yeah six months have probably been the most productive months of training i've ever had in terms of uh in terms of i guess strength gain in terms of growth of 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 my squat bench and deadlift um gonna say particularly my my bench but actually my squat yeah. is is kind of flying as well uh, or was i'll get to that um yeah no i suppose some kind of landmark numbers in the first 20 weeks of training i squatted 250 for a triple bench 145 and pulled 270 for a double frustratingly and um, my my thumb ripped which was was annoying um but it is what it is so yeah good stuff there really really happy with that um went to malta managed to actually get my training in which was a huge win um but since i've been back uh it's just felt like shit <laughs> which you know what if 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 uh if if i have a f- couple of weeks of of poor training every six months I'll, I'll take that i think that's uh that's that's a pretty um pretty good situation to be in 
Um, so yeah, no, the last three or four weeks of training have not felt fantastic. Numbers really haven't been kind of where I was, where I had allowed my expectations to, to, uh, to be, but you know, I'm what 10 ish weeks out from training or from, mm. uh, competition now. Um, so it's just a matter of keeping on, keeping on and continuing to put one foot, one foot in front of the other. Um, allow things to like yourself kind of normalize a little bit and yeah build into comp I'm, I'm very confident that i'll be able to to kind of bring it all together for for competition day and and, and have a really really good meet and, and this time this meet's slightly different at least for me mentally than than pretty much all my previous competitions before this one in that the goal for me this one is to actually put up the best total possible not necessarily go in and hit like single lift numbers like for sure i'd love to squat 275 but simply because it's five reds on 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 you know on the competition platform um but you know if if i have to squat 267 or something some evil loading like that then i will because i want to put up the best total possible and that's i'm kind of starting now as 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 i mean to go on you know and what kind of total would you be What's the range in values that you'd be happy with? Um, tough question actually, tough because question, yeah. it's changed a lot. Because my training has changed a lot. Like the numbers I'm hitting in training have have changed quite significantly. Uh, six eighty two point five is is a nice number because it's fifteen hundred pounds, and it's the number that Johnny Candido hit at twenty fourteen Worlds as a junior eighty three in South Africa and I, it was the first Jesus world Christ. that I watched and I remember sitting there watching I think I had squatted like something okay at the time as a sub junior I remember sitting there watching thinking ah yeah that, I'll, I'll hit that like next year so now nine years later uh, it would be, <laughs> be sweet to hit that two weight classes up <laughs> um, so anywhere from 682 to, to 722 um is kind of where my head's at 722 the only reason i say that is because it is currently the minimum qualifying standard for nationals 2024 at 105 uh so that would just be a pretty cool number to hit anywhere within that i'd be happy with even if i even if i fall short for whatever reason don't really care um i'm just going to be happy to 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 put up the best total that i can on the day and genuinely uh, and 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 build on that going forward because that that really is the goal Beautiful. No, I'm, I'm very excited to see that. And it's definitely very excited to see the product of, of the really productive training that you you have been putting in over the last six months, you know. And it's, again, I'd asked you in the past, like, what, what were you doing differently, especially on the bench press? And you were kind of like, this stuff is fairly unremarkable. Like, it's fairly similar. Uh, nearly disappointing. If you signed up to a new coach, you're like, what brand new magic thing are we going to be doing? It's like, oh, it's the same. All the same. <laughs> The only notable difference on my bench press is that I stripped it back from a tech technique point of view. And it's something I try tried to do with all of my lifts is kind of distill it down to the useful things and cut all the other bullshit. Mm. Um, and it seemed to be particularly effective for, for my bench press. So I literally used to have like a 30 second setup where I had like six different kind of markers that I was looking to hit as I was setting up. And now all I do is just pull myself back into the bench, lift the bar out and push move the weight that's it beautiful very repeatable especially if you're called on something on the platform you can just snap back into it do you know mm-hmm. totally totally 
Totally. Excellent. Love that. We did get a couple of other questions and I've had some more pop in as we were talking about this. Do you, do you want to crack on with that, that other one we got? Because that has the potential to be to be meaty. Yeah, choosing your accessories. So I think you'll probably have some more substance here in your answer than I will, but I will start it. So for me, choosing your accessories is super straightforward. Pick the ones you like. Pick the ones that that fit fit your fit your schedule. You know, if you're if if your main work will say the stuff that 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 I'm prescribing you takes you uh, an hour and a half, and you have 15 minutes left in the gym, maybe don't put eight different eight more accessories down on your training sheet because you're probably not going to be able to hit those. You know, maybe pick two or three exercises that you like. Uh, usually single joint isolation stuff or just machines that you really enjoy using. Um, love, I love at the moment tricep pushdowns. We have a converging uh, shoulder press, I believe it's called, in the gym. Uh, machines are brand new to me because I never, ever had access to anything. So just having some is really fun. Uh, and a lap pull-down machine, and I love using all of them. Um, so if I had to, to fill some space, I'd probably pick one of those three. Um, and yeah. If you want to grow a muscle, if there's a particular muscle group you'd like to work on, pick that. I biceps. I will always do some some form of bicep curl if I have the 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 extra bit of time because I want my biceps to be bigger. That's pretty <laughs> much that. I'm gonna ask then just to, to round off that question: What accessories are you doing at the moment, and and why? All of the accessories I'm doing at the moment are because my coach chose them for me, um, ahead of. Or, or after a conversation between us at the outset where I kind of outlined what accessories I like, what accessories I don't like, what muscle groups that that I'd like to work on, etc. So the accessories that I'm doing at the moment, I actually have my training sheet open in front of me right now. Dumbbell skull crushers, constant tension, no lockout. They're fun. They really suck, actually. Feet up, dumbbell pause bench. The reason we're doing feet up, dumbbell pause bench is because my coach randomly programmed them for me. 18 weeks ago, I did them. My pecs felt like they were going to absolutely explode, and it was nice. And uh, I told him this, so now they're they're a pretty staple feature in my program. Uh, single arm dumbbell rows, because I love them. Uh, they're the only row that I actually like doing, apart from, well, seated cable stuff is fun too. Um, dumbbell seated overhead press, just randomly in there. It's been pretty interesting to do. Uh, dumbbell split squats. I mostly don't do them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, uh, dumbbell hammer curl and uh, rear delt fly. And that's that's me. I like all of them. I will often throw in an extra bit of bicep curls, an extra bit of tricep pushdowns if I have the time. And that's pretty much it. Pretty straightforward. I plan on continuing to train for the next 20 years and continuing to do minimum, I should say, and continuing <laughs> to like do the same accessories and you know push the low push the intensity continue to push them pretty close to failure quite quite regularly and so my assumption is that and i think it's a pretty safe assumption that in in 20 years time i'll have i'll, I'll have uh, fairly well developed musculature in the in the areas that 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 i'm working towards yeah i think that's a, that's a fairly safe assumption and that's if you're looking for the key to hypertrophy that's it yep uh, takes 20 years they pretty much pretty much and drugs um, <laughs> how i would pick accessories is if is for the most part the same 
you know it, it depends lifter to lifter but for the vast majority of people it's like look if it's going to have any impact it's going to be chronic so if you can do it consistently great and that's it it, it definitely comes down to what equipment you have available to you and what you enjoy doing and that's that's it for the most part you know and in, in certain cases with like lankier lifters we've kind of experimented with the idea of developing your peripheral kind of muscle groups a little bit more like your your, your quads your hamstrings let's say for for squatting and deadlifting and your your triceps let's say for bench pressing there is not a whole lot of substance to it it's just kind of like look uh at the worst i'm gonna get bigger arms and legs at the best it's gonna help my powerlifting career so fuck it like it's you know it's well that's not technically true like i suppose worst it could just be robbing recovery and adaptive resources for your main work um and also not make you grow whatsoever (laughs) but look that's 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 why i would program it for the most amount of people not taking it too seriously some people like like you said like to throw in a few sets of biceps afterwards some people like to do a back work whatever it's a, it's a real kind of revolves around your training philosophy i think if somebody's attitude to accessories seems to reflect their training philosophy an awful lot and you can already tell a lot about somebody's attitude with regards to like you, you'll see people with a laundry list of accessories and you can kind of then think that okay they're very much in the bigger muscle means higher strength potential camp and a load of other stuff like that you know i don't think that's quite true but i have a significant enough list of accessories so i would hit five or six accessories per session now generally layer them up like do two to three supersets just to bang them out and, and get out of the gym at a reasonable time and i have it so that my day one day three are the same my day two and my day four are the same but there's elements that are consistent throughout like I will do some kind of back work every day, some kind of, I will do lateral raises every day because I don't feel like any other shoulder movement is more effective in terms of developing the lateral head of the delt, which is what I want, whilst also having such a low amount of systemic fatigue, you know. Um, I'm now doing abs every day because it was frustrating to lose 10% of your body weight and still not have abs. So I'm actually training them now, now to a degree and that's I would say fun. that I would say that you were already, but that 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 would be me being pedantic with your squat, heavy squats and deadlifts. But I strongly, strongly disagree. But that's another that's another conversation to be had because people often think the core's only responsibility is to resist movement and it's getting trained very well when you're doing heavy squat squats and deadlifts. And say no, I'm not going to say bench, and to a degree, yes, it may be. But when I'm talking about the rectus abdominis, which are responsible for flexing your T-spine, no, they're not getting fucking trained at all. Like it's or there's different ways to go about doing it. But anyway, we are being pedantic when we talk about it. Um, I've mixed in leg press and dips on day one and day three. I think the six to eight extra sets of leg press may have have played a role in my <laughs> hip flexor adductor being crying over the last couple of weeks but you know you know you live and you learn so i've also been doing dips weighted dips that are heavy enough last while and my shoulder is starting to to kind of look at me funny um which which raises an interesting point is that with this kind of training with your accessories it doesn't matter what you can do for six weeks. It matters what you can do for 20 years. Yep. Do you know? Yep. 
So I'm being a little bit silly when I am adding in volume and looking to be super aggressive with the with the weight. That's a very short sighted mindset, do you know? And and like they've been fine for let's say twelve weeks or so, which which might be okay. But if you consistently need to take a break because your accessories are beating the shit out of you, that's a bad sign. You know, I wouldn't change accessories nearly ever. You know, this is such a chronic adaptation that is is not exactly a nervous system response. Now, everything is a nervous system response. But let's say getting stronger is a response of um, increased neuromuscular efficiency that can happen over a very short period of time, two to four to six weeks, whatever. Building muscle absolutely is not the case there. That is a very slow response. So there's no real need to change things at all i would say agree outside of just pure preference do you know yep totally so yeah that's that's why i would look at choosing my accessories awesome awesome you mentioned a couple other questions came in is there is there anyone we could bang out in the next kind of 10 minutes or, or will we leave them for the next episode i will mention it now and give a very short answer because i, I will either address it in my own video I, I will address it in my own video because there's a funny story to come with it and um, i got somebody asking me i'll get their exact wording still using the whoop watch no <laughs> the answer is no i may have to use it again for the next year because i may be committed to it for a year um but that's an ongoing that's an ongoing issue okay okay yeah <laughs> interesting um, so see I'd your video talk i guess about the, the validity of the measurements so i'm not using it right there's a load of different reasons why i have very little faith in the validity of a lot of their metrics and somebody i was actually can't remember who it was i was speaking to somebody who was very well informed on this and they talked about the actual system they use to measure, let's say, blood oxygen level and all this kind of stuff. These mad metrics that I didn't think this yoke could be tracking. And it, they use the same stuff as a lot of medicinal grade instruments, which is great and all. Uh, but those medicinal grade instruments are <laughs> equally inaccurate, you know. So I, I won't speak on that too much. I'd like to have material and reference, references close to hand so I could talk about that. But um, the validity of the measurements it takes is highly questionable. It's the way that it coaches you, quote unquote, coaches you that I really take issue with. I'm quite confident in myself and I'm, I, I'm quite secure in myself. And this thing, the way it was communicating to me still made me anxious. You know, like it was saying like, OK, if you go to sleep right now, you will get 60 percent of the sleep you need. Like you're building up sleep debt really badly here. You need fucking 12 hours of sleep. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. Like I'm I'm trying to relax here. I'm trying to bring my stress level down and you're constantly putting big flashing red figures in front of me that I need to do X, Y, Z or, or this is going to have catastrophic, <laughs> catastrophic consequences. It, that's it, not coaching effective behavior change you're being a fucking dick it Stop. sounds like <laughs> did you ever watch operation transformation oh jesus yeah <laughs> it sounds like one of those coaches like i uh what's his name carl henry carl who henry, like yeah. yeah it'd be a person stood in their underwear in front of him ha having lost 
five pounds or whatever the previous week, you'd be just absolutely Berating. ripping them to shreds because they ate fucking white bread instead of brown bread. You know, <laughs> it's ridiculous shit. Like, I've coached Ava on my arm, just having an aneurysm every time like, <laughs> I have a pint. Like, literally, and, and it was Jodie Stevens put me onto this first when she put it up. She was like, she had used it and had stopped using it because if you have, if you smell a glass of wine, you're in the red right away. I don't know what in the name of God is going on. There's no way it's affecting my physiology that much that this thing is just screaming at you. Your like, whole week of recovery ratings will be ruined. Do you know? Really? I, I really think that it's bananas. I'd love to know why that is the case. But like, I had a small night of drinking and I actually mean a small night of drinking. And my recovery rating, let's say, had been 7.5, 7.8, 8.2, 7.9, 2.3 like it fucking destroyed it and i was in bed at a reasonable time i don't know what the hell is going on there that's weird it's but anyway i found it to be anxiety inducing to say the least i didn't enjoy it one thing i did enjoy was its alarm function so it was it had a very soft kind of vibrate function that if i set an alarm on the phone it that would wake me up that way as opposed to like I now have PTSD to fucking the crazy Samsung alarms that are there. It's nice to not have to hear something and it gives you an excuse to have the phone away from you because most people have the phone right beside them because it's charging and it's their alarm clock. Whereas if you have the phone away from you and you have a little wristband that does it, I think that can help facilitate better sleep. But Jesus Christ, there's a better way to do it. <laughs> you know? <gasps> yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I must, I must set the time aside to get my ducks in a row and have my citations ready and do a full proper talk about it because people are always at me over this and I went to cancel my membership and it was like cool thanks that'll be 330 euro I was like I, what what the fuck is this and it was like you committed to a year so if you want to break your commitment early yeah you're just gonna have to pay for the the thing and it said if you can if you've had it for less than 30 days, you can get your money back. You can print the return label. And so I printed the return label. I haven't done it, not it since because I was on the 30 days. So I, I need to ring somebody. I don't want to talk to a computer. I need to ring somebody and be like, here, let's just square this away. Yep. <laughs> or else my 40 YouTube subscribers are going to hear how I'm upset about this. <laughs> So uh, so yeah, maybe maybe consider before you you buy this seemingly innocuous wrist. Don't guys, don't get it. Like it's fucking thirty quid a month. Like for how long? You get a Garmin, which are better, cooler, more robust. This thing wasn't waterproof, guys. <laughs> you know, I think, and after I what, think two two years. I like, think if you're watching this, you don't need it. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely don't need to no. to rely on on this coaching intervention, I guess, which is what they're selling, right? That's that's what the software is. Yeah. For 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 you know your what was the old turn of phrase? You know, for Mary down the street who's never done anything, maybe it's better than not having anything or not being in any way aware. Maybe, right? But definitely, if you're if you're in the know in, in the least bit and and don't want to suffer the anxiety of of everything you described, maybe maybe not. Do you know the meme? 
that it's like Google versus Bing and Google yeah. would be like uh, I saw it on the Spider-Man meme yesterday it's like oh your baby's crying Google is like oh well you rock the child to sleep and you this way and Bing is the, the Doc Rockbus thing like throw it in the river like that's <laughs> this is the Bing fitness coach it's just telling you you're a piece of shit and you're a bad human all the time <laughs> anyway that's how my whoop experience was excellent thanks for excellent. the discount code <laughs> I won't I won't rail whoever put me onto that code. Awesome. Well, that was the Odyssey Podcast, episode thirty four. Is there is there anything else you wanted to touch on, Connor, before we close this out? No, not at all. I think we, we touched an awful lot there. Um Definitely. We have Definitely. merchandise. I don't know if you want to speak on this. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Oh right. Okay. So this is something that I've been working on in the background. For a while, for too long, let's say. So we have Odyssey competition-style merchandise coming out. The link should be out tomorrow, okay? We'll have a two-week window where people can go onto their link. You can get quarter zips, t-shirts, tracksuit bottoms, shorts, running singlets, which are essentially tank tops, and they're class. They're easily my favorite thing on it. You can get all of that. Really high-quality gear. I love it to bits. That link should be up tomorrow for about two weeks. I wanted to wait until people were paid for the month of June. Get on it. If you like what we do in any way, shape, or form, this would really help us out. Support us so we can support you. Get on that. Awesome. And uh, kind of furthermore, we will have our autumn. Our autumn drop is currently in the works, um, which will be one or two pieces of, we'll say, special edition mm. uh, clothing for, for both competition and leisure wear. Um, so keep an eye out for that as well beautiful awesome thank you guys for listening we will be back again soon all the best